0: For Rod's through I think my favorite thing in fantasy football is talking about players that are going to break out. Because if you're right, or in my case, when I'm right, it just feels a whole lot better. Yo, what is going on, Sleeper Nation? It is Natter. We're back with another legendary episode. Of course, I am followed by the number one Australian analyst, Shit, How you doing? I'm
1: good, you know. I'm just... Super excited. It's um, just past midnight here, which means happy birthday to a Tungo to Vailoa, a, a player who might come out. And I, I'm sure everyone's had today marked on their calendars um, as an auspicious occasion that, that we can all celebrate um, the day everyone's uh, favorite left-handed quarterback turns 24.
0: Um, no, I'm not celebrating that. I will be celebrating... Actually, I don't want to say celebrating, but I'll be looking forward for the day where the Dolphins move on from him. Is that a hot take? Uh, I don't
1: think it's a hot take among the the Dolphins fan base.
0: That's fair. But of course, we are also joined by the co-host of the Ship Chasing Podcast from NBC Sports Edge. It is Pat Corain. Hopefully I said your last name right. I'm not good with pronouncing it. Yeah, that's right. How are you doing? It
2: actually broke up as you said it, so I think you said it right, uh, okay. but yeah, uh, <laughs> I think yep, uh, Pat nailed it. <laughs> yeah, uh, but thanks for me on, guys. I mean, I'm excited to talk some football.
0: There we go. Of course, we're going to be talking about the breakup, breakout candidates, not breakup candidates, sorry about that, the breakout candidates, the ones that we think had a fake out, the ones that had a big year and are, of course, due to have that significant regression and of course the never going to breakouts i think that one's the most fun topic to to talk about and justify players being in because you just get the trash on a player and who doesn't like doing that because that's my favorite thing that's why i'm here uh of course we're gonna be talking about like i mentioned the breakouts the fake outs and the never going to make outs uh sheehan do you have some wise words of wisdom or a question of wise words of wisdom uh, did he lag? Is he lagging? He's lagging.
2: I can't tell if this is a really a well-executed bit or he's lagging. <laughs> At least eyebrows are pat- later. <laughs> and no,
0: no and I think sm- he's sm- lagging. <laughs> no, he lagged. That, that, see, that's what you get for living in the UK. That's what happens. You live in the UK, you lag. I don't know. Yep. Uh, that's a that's a ripper uh, ripperino and pepperino for him. Uh hmm.
2: I'm usually the one with the uh, the internet issues, so it's kind of nice.
0: Yeah, it it's feels good, nice doesn't it? Yeah? It, do- yes. it actually does. It yes, yes, is. yes. This is remember. This reminds me uh, of the Call of Duty days when you're in a party chat and then somebody had an echo. I don't know if that's relatable to you. I I, I was more
2: I more Halo than Call of Duty. Okay. But okay. I, yeah, yeah. Um, ha- Call of Duty was much harder. Much harder. How? Me. I you didn't think it was hard? I thought it was a, a higher skill level, higher skill level <sighs> for Call of Duty.
0: I don't People know. People knew but, the
2: maps. So You're just I would just go into the room, someone come behind me, knife me, I'm dead immediately. One hit I don't know.
0: I don't know. With Halo, I feel like headshots matter a lot more.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, cuz, you know, if you just unload a full clip of an assault rifle, they still might survive.
0: Exactly. Exactly. That's not happening on Caught. You could have potato <laughs> right. aim and you still That's have right. a chance. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, so uh while we get to make fun of the lagger here, uh, he just told me, "Sorry." So, he should be uh, trying to fix that and then getting back on there.
2: All right,
0: I'll let you make fun of him for it. <laughs> well, giddy, I mean, it's, <laughs> as bad as it gets on
2: chip chasing, it's normally my video that gets really bad on chip chasing. But I, I don't. It's been weeks, at least maybe months, since I've actually had to drop off the stream. So this is, go. this is pretty bad. Let's we'll
0: see. Bad. There you go. There you go. I'll, I'll <laughs> let you prepare a UK joke. And house trash over there? And you can execute <laughs> it. I've done it too many times. It's your turn.
2: I'm not sure I have a UK joke, but
0: come on, help me out here. <laughs> oh my god! Should we get started, or we'll give him a second. We'll give him a okay. second. Yeah, we'll be nice. I've debated this a couple of times where if he lags, I just keep going and then hope he jumps in, but that will be nice. Okay. Uh, so how's your day?
2: <laughs> it was actually very good. I got a lot of writing done. Uh, took my dog to his first, uh, it's like daycare meet and greet because he just got neutered. So he's like, we can actually start taking him to daycare now. Really? Um,
0: oh, yeah.
2: And he, he yeah. just played for two hours. I, I When I went to pick him up, the guy was like, he literally never stopped. Just played for the entire two hours.
0: You have to get neutered in order to go to daycare. You do in Brooklyn. Uh, yeah, because they're
2: not. They're not. Yeah, they're just not dealing with the risk.
0: That sounds like a, a lot of effort to go through.
2: Yeah, I mean it was. Uh, he luckily he's he's done now. He healed very quickly. Um, but it was definitely, you know, like. It was a solid week of him, week plus of him, like wearing this like suitical thing that's like, because you you could wear the cone, but he hated the cone, so they had they make this thing like that just like is like a little suit, it's like a little onesie.
0: Hmm. So he wore that for a week or ten days. When does a dog need to go to a daycare?
2: Uh, it's mostly so that we can board him. Is why we're getting him set up. Um, I'm trying to. You know, like if we go away for the weekend or something, we could just leave him there.
0: Oh, that's
2: okay. yeah. But in season, it'd be really nice. Like, there's certain days like where I have a lot of writing to get done, or I have a podcast. He he basically he's actually at my feet right now. He's being he's being cool. But normally, in the like mid after mid afternoon, like I have a four o'clock podcast. Now he'll be like. I'll I'll prep him. I'll I'll take him for a walk. I'll like make sure he has water. I'll let him outside right before the podcast, and then he's a nightmare during the podcast. He like times it. So I think I'm gonna put him in daycare when when I have pods.
0: Mm-hmm. So how you doing over there, Shane? Yeah, great. Has it's been a while since that uh,
1: that's happened? Yeah,
0: and actually, a regular
1: yeah. feature of early last season.
0: I blame the mm-hmm, mm-hmm. UK. So
2: sorry about that <laughs> do you are we taking it from the top or how are we doing it uh,
0: uh well, let's see no i'll just find a spot and just keep going yeah okay all right <clears throat> so before we get into of course the rest of the episode i want to remind everybody to follow sleeper wire show on twitter at sleeper wire show obviously so you never miss any type of articles that comes out with our phenomenal writing crew. Of course, whatever podcast we come up with when it gets uploaded. Of course, you guys want to be there and ready for that. And, of course, the live shows with the awesome team that we currently have. All right. So, she So, yes. Pat. We got a handful of players. A nice, phenomenal list. Might I add? And of course you mentioned the birthday boy or the potential birthday boy of two. I'm not going to pretend to to know how to say his last name. So I'm not going to, he (laughs) he tops my list and I'm going to start it with you, uh, Pat. Is he a breakout fake out? Well, he he never broke out, so he can't be a fake out, but is he, is he a never going to make out? I actually think
2: he's a breakout. Uh, He was quarterback 10 and completion percentage (laughs) over expected in 2021. And we know the issues with Tua. He he is accurate, but he throws underneath too much. I think that having a guy who's very accurate with this new system could be very effective. We can get a lot more out of that accuracy now that we have Daniel there. And we also had a really bad offensive line for the Dolphins last year. Really bad. And... If a quarterback's not throwing deep a bunch and his offensive line is terrible, I think it's reasonable to expect that if the offensive line improves, he might be willing to challenge deep a little bit more often. So I'm not saying they're going to have a good offensive line next year, but if it's just not terrible, we could see a step forward in his downfield throwing. And then we should see better offensive design so that we can get more of that accuracy. Jimmy Garoppolo Was quarterback 18 in completion percentage over expected. He was between Lamar Jackson and Jared Goff last year. So you can get a lot out of accuracy with this San Francisco 49ers style system. I think, you know, he's not going to be like an elite quarterback, but I do think we should see a significant step forward this year.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, I'm trying to think, okay, I'm looking at the potential opportunities for Tua and how he could break out. So first, he needs the wide receivers, and he, he's got a pretty solid core. He's got a nice tight end, solid receivers, nice Jalen Waddle hanging out there. Uh, running game, it's average at best. I think it's probably under par. Maybe it's better for Tua, considering he'd have to throw more or use his legs a little bit more often. But I'd like to see it maybe a little bit more balanced running game. And, of course, <laughs> like you mentioned, the offensive line being a little bit on the lackluster side. Well, right now, as I look at the potential draft <laughs> – I see the. Uh, I see. Of course, they have the twenty sixth pick, the one they got from the Niners, I believe, and then fiftieth in the second round, and then a couple of compensation picks. So they would probably have to spend their first round on a offensive lineman. Would you consider that realistic, or do you think they would go somewhere else?
2: I don't. I don't know if they're going to draft a lineman. I'm not sure, honestly, about how strong the lineman class is. But the, the line was so bad that, you know, if they get any help in free agency, they had anything in the first, second, even third rounds should help some. I just think they they need to be able to protect them a little bit. And the, the, it was also very bad in terms of run blocking the offensive line. So, you know, I think that you could see uh, just an overall improvement in the offense if they get that sorted at all. You also do have, you know, the, the Shanahan style – zone blocking system coming in, and you know, we would assume. So maybe they're able to get more out of the same guys if, you know, if they fit that system better. I'm not sure. But it's a, kind of one of those things where, where an offensive line is
0: as bad as their <laughs> offensive line were
2: was in both pass blocking and run blocking. The NFL is a volatile league. You know, we could just see things swing the other way a little bit. Uh, and that that would really help, too, uh, in terms of, you know, if he is willing to throw downfield at all. Getting him to that level, and I I do think it could be kind of like a Jimmy Garoppolo situation where he's not throwing downfield much, but when he is, it's kind of like well schemed, well timed. The play call is set up well for that play, so you know it's it's building off a play they ran earlier. Now he's hitting a guy open deep, that type of stuff. So I think we'll see some more of that. Um, I'm not sure exactly how they get there with the offensive line, but they don't honestly have to do all that much.
0: That's something I think I will be looking towards fairly heavily if they spend free agency or somewhere in the draft on the offensive line I'd be willing to buy in into that offense but right now I'm a little bit skeptical but what about you Shea? Uh,
1: I think you sort of hit the nail on the head in terms of we need to see a bit more from him downfield it's almost um, you want to see him at least keep the defense honest almost in the same way that teams would throw once upon a time just so they could run the ball easier um, you want him to be able to t- take the top off the defense every now and then just so they need to be aware of it. I think time is not on Tua's side. And I don't mean that just because, um, you know, with each passing birthday, you start to, to, I guess, reassess the the slow march of time. Um, <laughs> but he's a guy who needs mastery in a system and a mastery in an offense. We've now seen him in uh, a less than helpful system to him as he's developing. McDaniel is going to take some time to embed what he's about. Um, and I don't think time is what he have. We've seen reports that the Dolphins are interested in Sean Payton and Tom Brady for next season. I think that is ridiculous. But this ownership, I could see getting agitated if they don't see improvement out of him. Now, I think he's got the weapons around him to do it. Um, I think McDaniel's system will be better for him. They'll open up the game a bit more with his legs, Um, but he kind of is what he is. He's not going to be an air raid quarterback. Um, He is your death by a million cuts kind of quarterback, and that's absolutely fine um, as far as I'm concerned. In terms of improving that offensive line, you know, maybe they open up the checkbook for Teron Armstead, give him a bit of protection, um, as obviously would be to his right tackle instead of left tackle. Uh, maybe they use pick 28 and Tyler Lindebaum at a nice center there uh, and they, um, they need to rebuild that line. We saw the wonders it did for Kansas City um, and we saw the value that I guess the Bengals hoped they would have um, in, in the Super Bowl. So I hope they don't leave him high and dry. I think it's fair to say that he hasn't broken out yet. It's definitely not a fake out in, in my opinion. Um, But I think the breakout is coming if they are patient with him. Whether that happens this year or next, I think, uh, remains to be seen. But hopefully, he hits career-high numbers. He's never thrown more than um, 2,600 yards and 16 touchdowns. So if he hits, let's say, 35 and 25, the kind of numbers that um, uh, Mackie Jones was putting up this year, then I'd say that's a good year from from Tua.
0: All right, that's fair enough on the two side. Let's move on to Jerry Judy. He's a little bit more interesting of a character because I think I don't want to say he has a bust label on him, but right now I think Jalen Rieger is out producing him. Uh, Sheen, I'll start off with you. Yeah, this one, um,
1: this one hurts because I quite like Jerry Judy as a player. He was everything was pointing to him having a breakout season this year, and just didn't happen for him. Um, theoretically he should have been a, a really good fit for Teddy compared to, or at least a better fit for Teddy, uh, compared to court Sutton, but it was really kind of Tim Patrick who stood up for Denver only managed, was well, are still at like 90 receptions, 1300 yards and three touchdowns in his career. You know, that's a, a below average Julio Jones season, uh, from back in the day. So I'd like to say it's still coming, but certainly the odds are against him. Uh, The third-year breakout kind of is a thing of the past, even for receivers.
0: What has to change for Jerry Judy to be fantasy-relevant? Well, I think kind of
1: everything that has changed.
0: He needs a quarterback. That's it? I mean, he needs a
2: quarterback. Look, he's been playing with Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke. I mean... That's terrible. That's terrible. I mean, not only has he been playing with bad quarterbacks, but he's been playing in a low-volume passing offense, a run-first offense, run-heavy offense, and not a particularly well-designed offense. So, I think Jerry Judy. I think we're being too hard on Jerry Judy because he was drafted very highly last year. We got excited. We loved him as a prospect. Year two breakout. Let's go. Doesn't happen. That's going to lead to kind of a backlash, especially this time of year, where you know a lot of the the drafts are, are based on how we felt about their 2021 season we haven't really seen much of the projections ramp up so and we don't even know who their quarterback's going to be if they get a quarterback i think he he could be a league winner like jerry judy has a huge ceiling if they get a quarterback he's a very strong prospect had a 2.95 yards per out run at alabama over his career extremely efficient we know his production wasn't quite what we wanted in terms of yardage share touchdown share etc at alabama but we also know the massive extenuating circumstances at that program, in terms of trying to dominate the offense with Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddle and Henry Ruggs all there, so you know the efficiency I think really is important. Plus the draft position, plus the scouting report on him was was just off the charts. He's a great route runner. He was terrific after the catch in college. He's had one point seven two yards. Uh, sorry, he's had uh, yeah one point seven two yards per route run as a pro over the course of his career. Again, that's with Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. That's a pretty good mark. That's like a a very solid NFL wide receiver mark. It's not elite. It's not like the type of mark that would lead you to believe that we have an impending breakout coming, but we do have a new coaching staff. We should see a more pass first offense, a better designed offense. And if we just get some kind of decent quarterback play in there, I do think that he could take a big leap. And it's kind of like, In some ways, it's similar to the Dolphins offensive line situation where it's like we're already at the low end of like the range of possibilities in terms of the quarterback play. So, you know, almost anything would be a big improvement. Like Jimmy Garoppolo would be a big improvement here. You know, just anyone kind of competent, I think, would really help given that we already have a coaching staff change that should lead to, you know, not just more passing, but more optimal passing, more passing on first and ten. The offense built around the pass in a sharper way. So, uh, you know, maybe it won't be the most fast-paced offense or anything, but I do think we should see some more volume. And ultimately, I think we should be patient with a really strong prospect who has been good but not great so far in his NFL career.
1: Let's see. I 100% agree that he could be a league winner next year and he's a guy that I will be snapping up in the mid rounds because I think that's where he's going to be. Uh maybe even nudging the the 10th round which seems like obscene value for a, a guy of of his skills. Um, he's only going to be 23 as well. So he's another guy with time on his side. Uh, another year removed from that injury. If he can sort out his catching issues, which to me seem mental more than technical, um, every it, it's kind of all signs pointing up for, for Jerry Judy.
0: But we have to look at the quarterback situation and be a little bit realistic. So who could they get that would significantly improve the situation that they could realistically grab? So oh, know Jimmy that. Garoppolo,
2: <laughs> the answer that everyone wants
0: Aaron Rodgers, of course, we'll just throw Aaron Rodgers out there. Uh, I mean, other than him, Jimmy Garoppolo, Kirk cousins, maybe, I don't know if Vikings can realistically sure. replace him. Uh, but I mean, of course, that would be a great improvement. But I, uh, I don't see that likely. I think them getting Aaron Rodgers is more likely than than them getting Kirk Cousins. Um, other than that, is there any other quarterback that you realistically see that it would be an upgrade?
1: I think most quarterbacks would be an upgrade. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah. Which ones? J- and- Jameis
2: Winston would be an upgrade. Like you, you, you can't really like downgrade. You can't really downgrade. It's been terrible. The other thing is that there's potentially going to be five first round quarterbacks in this class. I know that most people aren't excited about this rookie quarterback class. And I get it because no one can really figure out like which quarterbacks are actually going to be good here because we'll probably see a bunch of busts in this class. So that's not maybe the most like like high probability way to improve the quarterback play. But we're generally not very good at projecting which first round quarterbacks are going to be good versus which first round quarterbacks are going to be bad. You know, Justin Herbert, for example, Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson was not a particularly popular guy among fantasy players when he came in. Patrick Mahomes went went like 10th, right? So it's not that you know any one of these guys is gonna be a star, but I do think that we're kind of discounting the fact that we're probably gonna see three, four, maybe five first-round quarterbacks in this class. Uh, if the Broncos land one of them, I think even though it's a rookie quarterback we could still see that be enough of an improvement for Judy to break out because Judy's entering his third season. He could kind of take a step forward on his own and then just get just kind of anything approaching league average quarterback play. Like a Mac Jones type of season for this team would be huge for Jerry Judy. Mm
1: -hmm. And here's some proper this time of year scouting or this time of year narrative you can get into. Kenny Pickett played with Jordan Addison at Pitt, who is a similar... Uh, type player to Jerry Judy. They're that kind of 6'1, six, six, 200 pounds, um, in, inside alpha receiver. Uh, if he was to go to Denver, I could easily see um, Judy being his number one guy. Now, I think that's a fairly spurious way of projecting fantasy production, um, but you don't have to squint to see it.
0: Quarterbacks, right? I mean, right now, quarterbacks are incredibly unpopular. I should say rookie quarterbacks are incredibly unpopular, but as soon as the combine starts, we start getting to the draft process. Usually quarterbacks tend to rise above draft boards just because of the hype and the position value that they come in. So of course that's going to have to be a wait and see, which I don't like. I don't like wait and see scenarios because obviously then you have to wait and see That's no fun. We like, uh, we like having our takes being for sure with it and then being able to actually accurately make a decision. Now, somebody that we might be able to would be right now, Brandon Ayuk, who is a little bit more on the interesting side because he felt like he was what a thousand yard receiver, his rookie year became absolutely droppable midway through last year. And then he became a very, I don't want to say serviceable, but he became a nice little flex star, a little spot star type of player towards the end. Uh, Pat, we'll start off with you on how you feel about, Brandon Ayuk, assuming for the sake of keeping it um, consistent, we will assume that Trey Lance is the quarterback.
2: Yeah, I am I feel much less strongly about Brandon Ayuk than Jerry Judy uh, because like the situation might be worse for Brandon Ayuk in terms of overall play volume. I know that the the 49ers were a run first team, run heavy team uh, in 2021. It's not like they're going to lose a ton of passing volume moving to Trey Lance, but they could lose significant tr- passing volume moving to Trey Lance. So uh not that that's has me worried so much, but I don't know that that's fully baked into the ADPs of the 49ers right now. You know, you're seeing Debo Samuel in these best ball drafts going in the early second, George Kittle's getting drafted very highly, uh, And and Brandon Ayuk, I I think maybe his ADP could come down a little bit as the projections have their say, because there's not going to be that many targets to go around. I assume like Juwan Jennings has to get some, you know, so you're kind of, uh, kind of looking at once the, once the target shares get parceled out in the projections, I do think that Brandon Ayuk could come at a better price down the line, but I'm still buying right now. I still would like some exposure right now. I think he was a very strong prospect good fit for the system, a yards after catch type of player. You know, he can do all the stuff that Debo can do. Not as good as Debo, but he can be used, you know, on that shallow stuff. He was as a rookie. He was used uh, when Debo was hurt in a very Debo-esque way, but he can also be a deep threat for that team. Uh, And maybe if Lance takes a step forward, particularly in throws down the field where we saw that, you know, he's not doing exactly what Garoppolo was doing in terms of being as efficient and as accurate over the middle on those kind of uh, crossing routes and and that type of stuff. But he was more willing to go deep, more willing to, you know, make more difficult throws. I think that could be good for Brandon Ayuk. And he has 1.71 yards per route run since entering the league, just 0.01 behind Judy. He's actually been pretty good, even including last year, which was a disappointment, but he kind of salvaged it toward the end to your point. So uh, I don't feel as strongly about Ayuk, but I would still pick him as a breakout rather than i never going to make it.
0: Mm-hmm. I am a little bit more interested in Brandon Ayuk just because I feel like we've seen him at his worst. We've seen the worst and it was pretty bad. It was really bad, actually but we've also seen what he could do when he is a lot more consistent and a lot more on the upside. So that being said, I would like to have some Brandon Ayuk shares. I think his ADP is going to falter because of all the offensive weapons that he has, or that team has, especially Debo and George Kittle. We are, we're, we might as well talk about those two, because I think those are also interesting uh, characters to discuss. Uh, I think, you know, just to, just to lay it out right now, I think Debo is going to be one of those fake out type of players. I think George Kittle is uh, also a fake out type of player, where I think they will not give you the value that their ADP had, or the, the amount you spent in draft capital for them will not return you that initial investment. Um, I think Brandon iuka will return that ADP investment, if not beat it, because ADP. For Brandon Ayuk, right now, of course, it's not out or a consistent number, but I would assume it's probably around the seventh to eighth round in a redraft league. That's not that bad of an investment for Brandon Ayuk. because, I mean, if it fails, you know, it's not ideal, but it's not going to ruin your fantasy team. But Debo Samuel, having probably a projected third to late second round ADP, if he fails, that really significantly hurts your team. I would rather not put myself in that position. So uh, he's going, he's going like
2: late, almost late first, right? I mean, he's not going late first, but he's, he's on that like one, two turn occasionally and usually very early in the second. So I actually think that late second, early third could be where he ends up once projections come in and then I'm much more interested, but, but I agree with you. I think he's pretty risky right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I still want some exposure, but I think he's a bit risky
0: now he is an injury prone player there were multiple times throughout the year where he was a game time decision in the last few years where he has played he has missed a handful of games uh you know when he is healthy he is incredibly productive it's just difficult to gauge health on an injury prone player um Sheen, is your mic muted are you are you good to go yeah good to go Matt. there we go all righty so if you have any opinions uh i guess you can cut and spice it here yeah, look I
1: I think Brandon Ayuk at this stage is a fake out with an eye on breakout. Um, the numbers look good, but it just doesn't it just doesn't feel right. And I think there's so much of deciding whether someone's broken out or not is the kind of gut feel. I, I tend to agree that if he's in the mo- those middle rounds, I want Brandon Ayuk. I like the the big play potential. If, as you say, Debo misses time, Kittle misses time, he's the focal point of that offense. Would be nice to see him, you know, catch seventy passes, go over a, a thousand yards, and have another couple of scores. Maybe with Trey Lance, they open up that offense a little bit more. Uh, but I, I guess that remains to be seen. Apologies if you asked this already.
0: Would you rather Ayuk or Judy? I did not I ask Judy. that, but I'd rather go Ayuk. Well, it depend. depends. Depends uh, if they have identical ADPs, where you know it's just back to back. I would rather go Ayuk. If it's Judy having a significantly lower ADP, I'd rather have Judy.
1: Yeah, this is I think take, Judy will probably be more guy. expensive.
0: Really? Oh.
1: I'd kind of be happy with both as my like wide receiver. I don't know. We we are going to talk endlessly about me wanting to go wide receiver heavy this year, but if these guys were my wide receiver, let's say four and five. Judy and Ayuk with the potential for them both to be um, wide receiver twos or better, um, then, you know, I, I, I'm fairly happy with that.
0: Well, that i best
1: way, ball draft. I mean, Brandon Ayuk went uh,
2: 6.09 and Jared Judy went
0: 6.12. So that basically, so right now, as of right now, and that's probably assuming that Bridgewater is still the quarterback. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If it changes that quarterback, it'll significantly change his ADP. Say, for example, Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback; he probably jumps to maybe a fourth rounder. Is that a high? That's high- why
2: high- I think Judy's such a smash right now because mm-hmm. you know you're you're getting a huge discount on the quarterback change potential. And even if we don't have a quarterback change, or I think we're going to get some kind of quarterback change, but let's say we don't get a huge quarterback upgrade, I still think he's like you know at a slight discount to Brandon
0: Ayuk. Pretty good pick. Mm-hmm. All right, that's fair. Now, let's we, we talked about Debo for a hot second. He will be a much more interesting topic as redraft season approaches. But George Kittle, I want to mention him real fast. And I, for the past few years, I always recommend people not take him. There are three tight ends that you should be looking at if you would like to take one in the early rounds. I know there's a lot of people. It's very divided whether you take a tight end early, tight end late, or nothing in between. Uh, George Kittle follows in the in-between status right now, where I think everybody should be avoiding him. He's too injury-prone, first of all, inconsistent, and you, there's just too many question marks in that offense, and uh, especially without Garoppolo. Um, he has failed to match up to his ADP, I think, what is it, three years in a row, and people are still drafting him in the, the what is it now, the fourth round, third round. Uh, there there are better tight ends for you to scoop on, scoop up, and have more consistent play. Uh, I'm not too big on she, uh, on George Kittle right now. It's very nice.
2: I think uh, George Kittle's the best tight end in the league.
0: Yes, uh, he is absolutely
2: yes. elite.
0: I will agree with you, but fantasy you're taking
2: production. you're taking on injury risk when you draft an early round tight end. That's kind of part of the. It's sort of like drafting an early round running back where you know you are taking on increased injury risk by you know going to that position instead of wide receiver but I think that when you hit on that early round tight end it gives you a bigger advantage most of the time unless you hit just an absolute smash type of running back uh, than when you take a running back so I like taking early round running backs or early round uh, tight ends I mean and I, I think Kittle, is an awesome pick right now where he's going. You can get him in the fourth round of these best ball drafts. You get, you're getting a discount on him. He's kind of falling into like the Mark Andrews territory from last year, similar to TJ Hawkinson. He is a far better player than TJ Hawkinson. And you know, when you can get that kind of talent in like the fourth round, late third round, fourth round, I've gotten him in the late fourth round, George Kittle. So I, I'm hammering him right now. I'm willing to take on the injury risk. I'm willing to take on the inconsistency, which I do agree will be a feature of his production profile because, you know, this is not going to be an offense that's consistently throwing, but we saw, we saw last year, like when he is the guy for that week in terms of the game plan, he can just explode. And, you know, particularly these best ball tournament type of setups. I mean, if you get enough out of him in the regular season, you might just absolutely need to have George Kittle to win a tournament this year.
0: Shan?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd, Tend to tend to agree with you there, Nata. I I love George Kittle. I think he's a fantastic player. I love watching him play. I love that he is good at everything a tight end needs to do. I kind of just want someone else to take that risk. And I'm happy to miss on him to not have him uh ruin my team. That said, I do have him on quite a few dynasty teams, and I'm very happy I have him. Oh, that's nice.
0: I will say, I will say there are players you do not want to go against in fantasy. George Kittle is one of them. Like going against, like a couple years ago, it was Young Hoeku. When you saw him on the and you know the other team, you, you did not want to go against him because you know he was putting up at least fifteen points in the kicker position. And you know this year it was kind of like Jonathan Taylor type of person, Dalvin Cook. You know, where they can they could win the week specifically just by themselves. Um, Debo, Cooper Debo, Cub. exactly. You know, Cooper Cup, Debo this year. Uh, but George Kittle is kind of like one of those players where when you see him. On the opposing lineup that week, they're kind of like wincing a little bit, going, Ugh, that's not, you know, that, that could be real bad for me. And that I will definitely give it to uh, George Kato. But let's move on to a, another little polarizing figure in Michael Pittman Jr. Now, this one, I think a lot of people have a lot of passionate spe- uh, speeches on this player because a lot of people are so invested in him. But, Pat, I'll give you the floor right now.
2: I've been skeptical on Pittman since he entered the league. I don't think he was a particularly good prospect. Obviously he had good draft capital, but in terms of basically every metric that I like, he didn't do well in it. And so I'm still skeptical. He's been solid since he's been a pro. He's been better than I thought he would be, but I don't know that they really have that strong of a chance of upgrading their quarterback. They're talking about moving on from Carson Wentz, but Carson Wentz wasn't that bad last year. He was, not good, but he wasn't terrible. So it's kind of one of those things where like they they actually do need to find somehow like a legit quarterback upgrade because they weren't at the bottom of the barrel in terms of the quarterback play last year. And I think the more likely scenario is that they're able to upgrade their wide receiver core. And Pittman has really benefited, I think, from, you know, T.Y. Hilton on his last legs and really no one else there. He's been able to soak up targets. He's definitely a better player than I thought he'd be. He's a more complete player. He's, they're able to use him deep. They're able to use him in the intermediate areas. So it's not really such a knock on Pittman, but I do think he's been in a pretty good situation from a target competition perspective. Not a great situation from a quarterback play perspective, but I, I don't really see how that gets upgraded in a meaningful way. So I,
1: I would put him as a fake out. How about you, Shan? Yeah, 100% agree. Um, fake out, I think... A lot of his, the damage he did this year was volume-based. Um, I don't like the fact he doesn't really separate. Um, he's kind of... He's the contested catch guy that you don't really want to see. And as you say, they're not going to find someone better than Carson Wentz. The It's easy to upgrade on a Teddy Bridgewater, and they might even go from Carson Wentz to Teddy Bridgewater. Um, <laughs> they're... <laughs> Their quarterback room is going to take a step back this year, and I understand why. And and maybe it is when sends up in Denver, and um, you know that's that's good news for those those people over there, Cortland Sutton especially. Oh yeah, but I think Pittman's going to be like a cut price Michael Thomas in that it's just volume, and he's nowhere near the player that Thomas is. Um, so I'm not really interested in him.
0: I'm putting him as the never going to breakout candidate. I think once they get another wide receiver, like you mentioned, Pat, if they, if they just get one more halfway decent receiver, I think his, his fantasy production takes a absolute nosedive. I don't want him. I don't want him at all. I don't want that offense at all other than Jonathan Taylor. I think that is it when it comes to a fantasy perspective on that offense. Uh, I,
2: I think it could That's be like, a
0: little like um it's a completely different
2: type of player, but a little bit like Tyler Boyd, where, you know, we got excited about Tyler Boyd uh when he was like the only guy there. And then as soon as someone who's like a legitimate talent in T. Higgins and then a, and an elite talent in Jamar Chase gets added, it's like, you know, the, the guy who's a solid NFL player kind of gets pushed down the depth chart down the target tree. So I do think that Pittman is at risk if they add like a very strong player, he would immediately be the secondary option. Um, and I think he could be kind of a 1A, 1B situation if they had someone solid.
0: Fair enough. So we're all in agreement that he may not be exactly who he thought he was, and they let him off the hook. So Van Jefferson. I think he's interesting because he he's, he's just buried down the depth chart. That's it. He got OBJ if he comes back, Cooper Cup. Robert Woods, then you have Van Jefferson. It's not like any of those options are leaving anytime soon. Maybe OBJ. Uh, But Van Jefferson just buried down the depth chart. And I remember a couple years ago when he first came out and Brandon Cooks was still on that team. I said, anybody who takes Van Jefferson is in for a rude awakening because he's (laughs) going to be buried. He's going to be depth chart buried his whole career. Um, And it looks like it might be the case. Yeah, he made a couple big plays in some moments where he did get uh playing time opportunity but you also have to remember during the super bowl i believe they put number 18 i can't even remember his name he had one of those uh hockey last names where you know there's uh nine letters no vowels and then it's impossible to pronounce Ben is that so, so I, I'm not gonna try to because I don't know how <laughs> and you know of course he had that little Super Bowl play where the ball went through his hands and then it got picked off uh, he, he got playing time over Van Jefferson for crying out loud so if that's gonna be the case when? When? I just want to know when. Never. Never? It's never Dang. happening.
2: He's, I mean, Dang. we can't say he's like the worst second-round pick in, in memory because uh, Dwayne Eskridge was a second-round pick, but he was a very bad second-round <laughs> pick. But the Rams really should not have spent a second-round pick on this guy. He's uh, not been good since he's been in the league. Weirdly, he's a deep threat for this offense, but he's not fast. Like, he profiled as kind of a good route runner a guy like a reliable wide receiver, you know, kind of like a pro, like a immediate pro. You know, that's why he's old, you know. So I, I don't know. Again, they shouldn't have taken him, but I think that's why they took him because they felt like they could just plug him right in. And to some extent, that has been true. They have been able to plug him in, but it's kind of like plugging in, you know, like a Byron Pringle or something. Like you're not getting that much out of this guy, really isn't the right guy for this deep threat role, which is how they use him. Um, they actually changed Odo Beckham's role when he joined the team. He was also kind of a deep threat, and they brought him into kind of a more intermediate type of role uh, right before, you know, basically through the end of the season until you know the Super Bowl. Um, and Van Jefferson just continually operated as a deep threat, which they should really bring in someone with speed for that role. Um, you do have Tutu Atwell there, who did absolutely nothing as a rookie and probably doesn't have the size to operate as a as a downfield threat even though he is quite fast. Uh, so Van Jefferson will probably run a bunch of routes this year, but I expect him to just be like terrible in yards per out run because we're going to get uh, Robert Woods coming back for the second half of, you know, hopefully full strength by the second half of the season could see Odo Beckham back. Although it probably a lost season for him with the ACL tear that late. Uh, so there should be plenty of routes for Van Jefferson, but I'm still not that interested.
0: Mm-hmm. I think he'll be running a lot of clear out routes, a lot of decoy routes, a lot of dummy routes. That's where yep. I, I realistically see him. He's going to be like what's his name, Gerald Everett, where you know you you feel like, or Tyler Higby, you know, where you felt like they were really going to break out. And other than Higby's like three touchdown game, that he had, I believe, a year ago or two years ago, he's not going to do too much. He's slow, Jalen
1: Guyton. There
0: you go, <laughs> Sheehan, You look like you really wanted <laughs> to say something.
1: Uh yeah, totally agree. He's being misused. Um, he's this. He's like. He's Robert Woods, he's a Monra St. Brown, like yeah. comes in, does what you need him to do, but he needs to be used in, in that role. Ironically, I would say Dwayne Eskridge would be better for the Rams for that role that they want to use Van Jefferson in, um, despite the fact he's not much of a player as far as I'm concerned. Um, so I've, I've not really got any interest in Van Jefferson. If he was younger, I he he's a guy I'd be looking to buy at the end of this season. With an eye on where he lands in free agency, but he's going to be 28 by the time he hits free agency, and I'm not (laughs) sure teams are going to pay up for him. I don't Um, think so. Yeah, I I I like him. I think he's being misused. Totally agree on two to Atwell. That kind of vertical slot guy doesn't stick around too much. Like a Taylor Gabriel. Mm -hmm. Um, So no real interest. Like Van Jefferson, but I don't think he's ever going to be fantasy relevant.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I may yeah. have a
1: bias here because I, I just thought he was such a bad draft
2: pick. And the point you just made about, you know, him being kind of that Amon St. Brown type of guy. I mean, what if they put like Scourneck or someone else in the Van Jefferson role this this year? Like. Is there a chance that with Wood still recuperating with, let's say Beckham's not back, could he play kind of that Woods Beckham role? And then are we more interested?
0: He might have a temporary role. He might have a temporary relevant role just due to injury. In that case, yes. But the Rams, you know, like like their owner said, F them picks. So they might get rid of those picks now and just trade for another wide receiver. And then he's just going to take over that Van Jefferson role. Uh, I mean, you mentioned that the Rams need a speedy receiver. Deshaun Jackson maybe comes back again and he actually sticks with the team. (laughs) 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 i highly doubt that uh but uh emmanuel sanders emmanuel something like that i mean he i don't expect him to be on the bills no but he he might fit that obj type role what when he's not there that robert woods type role uh they they will get a wide receiver if they feel like robert woods is not going to be there at the beginning of the season which he probably won't they will get another wide receiver whether they draft one whether they take one in free agency that's just how the team operates that it, it, it won them a super bowl there's no way they're going to change from that formula now and they will replace van jefferson with another type of player but for the sake of argument um robert woods is 29 right now uh, he turns 30 on april 10th which is a month and a half away cooper cup is 28 odo beckham's 29. So. There is a chance. I'll say there is a chance that, how should I say it? He gets an opportunity. How about that? Yeah. Fair?
1: Yeah, I think that's
0: fine. Fair. There we go. All right. So let's move on from Van Jefferson. You know, he's not important enough to, to, actually, maybe he is important enough to take up this much time. I'll tell you who isn't (laughs) just important enough to take up this much time. Denzel Mims. He's never going to pay. He, he's just never. That's it. He, he had a chance. He had like three games to give it a chance, but no, he did it. And, and then the new regime is, it's, it's just how the story goes. The new regime comes in, they pick their guys and he's not one of their guys. Just like when the Cardinals came in with Josh Rosen and then all of a sudden new regime, they just get rid of him. Now they have Kyler Murray. Same thing with Denzel Mims. They, they drafted him to fit the scheme that he was expected to play on that team. That's not there anymore. He's irrelevant, in my opinion.
2: He had less than 200 routes last year. He was fully healthy. I think, you know, you want to talk about free agency. In 2024, maybe we get him on a one-year contract. He's like a Brashad Perriman type. He he's just a pure <laughs> deep threat. Get a couple deep shots. We start to get excited again. But until then, I'm completely out.
0: Yes, he is exactly what people wanted out of. No, hold on, the opposite. He is Elijah Moore and what people wanted out of him. Did I say that right? I, I guess. Depends yeah. on the point. You know what I meant. You guys know what I meant. You guys know. She and go. She and go.
1: I reckon there should be a guy at the Combine this week that whenever they get excited about a big guy running a time, they just hold up a big sign of Denzel Mims and tap it for the uh, the coach <laughs> and the GM. This He's your your workout warrior. Um Credit oh, to I've the NFL though did not go in the first round, and there was there was talk that he would. He's 59th overall. Um to, yeah, to not a too team much with credit. a lot of holes That's on a their little, roster. Little credit. <laughs> yeah, look, he's he's gonna be there exactly. on the jets. The jets have to be better. Zach Wilson has to be better. Zach Wilson throws a nice deep ball, whether you like him or not. Love him. I, I mean, I've got no interest in Denzel Mims. I'm not going to talk anyone into it. Certainly not going to talk myself into him. But this time of year, he's liable to be on your waivers in, in a dynasty league. I think there's worse lotto tickets to hold. I don't think it's ever going to happen. But big, deep threat with a guy who can
0: kind of hurl it. Whatever. I'd rather have an expired lotto ticket than Denzel Mims. Like, I already know the lotto ticket lost. I would still rather have that than Denzel Mims. There's less what, disappointment.
2: What draft pick would you trade any? Like, if you got a Fourth round draft pick? Would you trade it for Mims?
1: Uh, no. Fifth um, round? Yeah, maybe a fifth. It it'd be depend. It would depend who's left on the board. If I looked and thought I could take a let's say a, a lottery throw at a Jareth Stearns or a Denzel Mims, then I'll probably take Jareth Stearns. I don't really like him that much. <laughs> <I don't. laughs> yeah, it's rough. It's a tough scene for Denzel Mims.
0: Okay, so let's see. I just looked on my dynasty roster. Um, okay, so I have Tyler Bass as my kicker. I would rather have Tyler Bass than Denzel Mims. Oh yeah, it's um, ridiculous. Javian JV, JV Hawkins. I'd rather have him than Denzel Mims.
2: I would rather have Denzel Mims. I think
0: uh, Tyson Williams. I uh, actually, you know what? Maybe Denzel I'd Mims. rather have Mims. Maybe I'd rather have Denzel Mims because we've seen what Tyson Williams can do, and he got benched. So. That may be
2: You got benched and there's two uh, running backs coming back from injury that are gonna be ahead exactly
0: of them, so. yeah yeah
2: Yeah Mim uh, shouldn't be on the waiver wire in, in a league like that, I don't think.
0: No, no. Um let's see, I have the Bengals defense. I'd rather have them. Rather have the Detroit <laughs> defense. Oh. <laughs> Okay, there we go. I think that's enough. I I don't think I have to insult Denzel Mims anymore. I think that did it I, all.
1: I would rather be a Jets fan than have Denzel Mims. Wow, yes. come on, that's yes. not true. That's yes. not
0: true. I would rather do that. Uh, <laughs> all right, so uh, I live in New know, York,
2: and I can tell you that is a bad choice. You were making a mistake. As he as
0: he's wearing a Patriots jersey, he goes out. That's around yeah, my family like, are all Jets
1: fans. Like I get it.
0: Well, you know, we don't have <laughs> to like our family. So Zach Moss. Yeah. He's just there. You know, he's that guy. He's just there. How do we feel about him? Start with Pat.
2: I I don't even know what this contingent value is. I mean, we saw them give Devin Singletary all the snaps. I don't think that was like a day ball type of thing. You know, now that he's gone, Zach Moss has a second life. I mean, they they, uh, they have Dorsey. They kept Dorsey. We're going to get, you know, a pretty – I think we're going to get basically the the exact same offense that we had last year, maybe some subtle tweaks – and I don't really see Moss making a comeback, even if Singletary goes down. I mean, this this past year, they seem more interested in Matt Breida, or just as interested. If they add any kind of running back this offseason, and, you know, there's some guys that they could bring in as depth. Um, I think that Moss can end up being a healthy scratch for all of 2022, you know, and that they add. It's not a deep rookie class at all. So uh, that is... is Definitely fortunate for, you know, any any Zach Moss dynasty managers, but I still think that he's in a really difficult spot. Um, with uncertain contingency value. He's not one of the the guys that I'm prioritizing in best ball drafts. It's not that he can't do anything, but he's really behind the eight ball right now.
0: It's difficult for him because that offense. Has difficulty running the ball, whether that's because maybe just the running back talent isn't there, which I mean, I guess says a lot for Zach Moss, or maybe that offensive scheme isn't set up. Maybe the offensive line just has difficulty run blocking. Uh, he, he is unproductive. And there were moments in the year where he was a healthy scratch. And those were the moments where Matt Breida kind of had those mini-miniature games where he had kind of like two receptions and two touchdowns somehow. Um, that being said, I don't necessarily see a way Zach Moss becomes fantasy relevant in a consistent manner without injury happening in front of him, or they would have to completely invest their assets into him. And I don't think he's worth any investment of assets on a offensive side. I think he is just there and he either fits a system or he doesn't, he's not worth investing or working around. So I would not like to have Zach Moss on any of my rosters. Chan?
1: Yeah, if I could go into a player editor on like a Madden and make Zach Moss slightly taller, I would be more interested in him. I think hmm. he and Devin Singletary are like a thunder and lightning combination where the thunder is a dull thud and lightning is a guy switching on and off the light really quickly. Um,
0: That's kind of scary though.
1: Moss Moss is meant to be that vertical runner. I just don't think he has the size. Um, he's not big enough to be a goal linebacker and... Josh Allen kind of is anyway, not the same way that Cam Newton was, but like he's going to punch it in more often than Zach Moss. So I'm not really interested. As you say, it's kind of a weak class. Um, I don't think he's going to get retired on the back of this, but what do you play? He played 13 games this year. I would take the under if I set the set the line at 13. There's
2: also some Thunder guys that they could look into. Like I don't know if they brought in Deontay Foreman or something. That's an actual thunder, you know? And the other thing with Moss is that he's very shifty, but he's not been that good as a pass catcher, which is one of the things I liked about him as a prospect. I thought, you know, maybe he could get used as a three down guy. He's definitely undersized, but that hasn't materialized at all. And Devin Singletary has actually shown quite, quite well as a, as a pass catcher, uh, this past year in particular, that's why he was able to handle all the snaps and they just handed the backfield off to him entirely. Um, so I don't even think it would, it would take much for for Moss to be in trouble if they do anything in free agency.
0: Uh, there are running backs that I'm interested in, like Josh Allen. I'd rather much have him and put him in my running back slot if that was available than to have Zach Moss on my lineup. I mean, like Sheehan, like you mentioned, he is the goal line back. So you have to think about it from a fantasy perspective. What are the chances that he becomes fantasy relevant or how does he become fantasy relevant? Is he going to get yards? Is he going to get receptions, yards, you know, from receptions, touchdowns? None of them are consistent and none of them look like they're realistically going to happen. So if none of them are going to happen, then what are the chances that he becomes fantasy relevant? And that just becomes difficult to justify. So I think that's where we leave Zach Moss in the never going to break out to – yeah, yeah, that's probably the error I'm putting him in. But somebody that I already think they've broken out, Gabriel Davis. I like him. I think everybody should be buying into him. Whether whatever his ADP is, take him around earlier. I think everybody should be going out and getting him. Uh, Sheehan, we'll start off with you.
1: I am beyond sick of talking about Gabe Davis to the point where I don't even know why I put him on this list. Um, he did, so. I had to sit through a season of people going, this is the week for Gabe Davis. This is the week for Gabe Davis. And let's be 100% accurate here. He's had 70 catches in two seasons. They're 35 receptions in each season. He's had 599 yards and 549 yards. And he's caught 13 touchdowns. He's overproducing for the work that he's getting. Like he's a tight end, putting up tight end numbers, but playing wide receiver. So Excellent finish to the season, a guy that I'm totally interested in. As a concept, I don't want to pay the price to get him because I think he's going to be overvalued for the production we've seen. So I don't think the breakout's happened. I don't think you can necessarily look at a breakout based on results as much as process. Um, It's sort of, a, I guess, a mixture of both. So uh, I I don't like it. How are you playing 16 games and getting like two two catches a week and calling that a breakout
0: because it's Gabriel Davis
1: she and I I'd like to uh, let you know about an
2: exciting part of the NFL season it occurs after the regular season it's called the playoffs and that's how they Mm -hmm. decide who wins the Super Bowl and those games are some of the best games that you'll get to watch all year so I'd recommend checking them out Gabriel Davis I thought after that playoff explosion I thought he was going to be much much more expensive I actually don't think the ADP is unreasonable right now, and I think it's going to get unreasonable. He's going I, in the best ball draft that I referenced earlier. He went at the seven oh four.
1: Yeah, Realistic. that sounds
2: that sounds absolutely fine.
1: That, that's I mean pretty good. I'd take yeah. him there. I was thinking people would be having him in like the fourth and the fifth at this point. I was too.
2: Yeah, I was too. I I just assumed that he was going to be like a fourth fifth round guy, and I was going to not have any Gabriel Davis this year. But that's not been the case at least so far. So I would I, I rec- recommend. Getting Gabriel Davis right now, while he's not that expensive, Emmanuel Sanders is a free agent. Isaiah McKenzie is a free agent. There's going to be plenty of routes for Gabriel Davis in, you know, an offense that has four wide receiver sets pretty frequently, three wide receiver sets as the base. He had 2.03 yards per route run last year, including the playoffs. Highly efficient when on the field. He wasn't on the field nearly enough because God knows why, but they played Emmanuel Sanders over him for the majority of the season. That ended... Towards the end of the season, they also watched that playoff game. Maybe they'll never watch it again because it was so heartbreaking. But I hope they do so they can <laughs> see how good Gabriel Davis was, because he looks like the kind of guy that could be a very very strong number two option to Stephon Diggs. And I once it gets once the ADP gets them to the fourth fifth round, and we're basically like now you you have to have the out of him actually becoming the number one option. I'm going to be far less interested. But in the seventh round, where you're basically just hoping that he you know he's not what he was in the playoffs but he's just closer to what we were hoping he was in 2021 during the regular season and just runs a bunch more routes uh i think you know it's kind of an easy pick really where he's going right now
0: in let's see in his career so far if he has played over 70% of the snaps he has had over 100 yards receiving or a touchdown and for some odd reason that always happens in the playoff time his rookie year and last year where he has Played a bunch, and he has been incredibly, incredibly productive. His best games of his career has been in the playoffs. Oddly enough, he does not get the playing time he deserve. Uh, I'm hoping, I'm hoping they do not sign Emmanuel Sanders or McKenzie, making it so he has to by default be on the field. And if by default he is on the field, he will be a very, very productive fantasy wise receiver and if he is going in the seventh round yes i will reach for him and take him in the sixth i think that is incredibly fair for him if, especially if you look I, I always recommend people do this go back to your last year's draft and then look at the people you took in that specific round and say okay he was a bust he was a bust he was a bust he was a bust because once you go from that sixth round past it's, i'd probably say there's about a 70 percent chance that player did not stick around to your end of season roster Mm-hmm. and chances are they were a bust. So it, it, if you're reaching after the sixth round, it's really not a big deal. I know the Yahoo little post-draft grade is going to ding you for it, and it's kind of fun to screenshot those and send it to your friends and say, hey, look, you got a D in your draft. But realistically, it's not going to matter when it comes to the end of the year. I mean, there's a, there's going to be a lot of Gabriel Davis talk throughout the year, especially once redraft season hits and we start hitting those mocks. So we're going to move on from him to Quentin Cephas with, while he has probably one of the cooler names in the NFL, Um, uh, he's on the lions and you're not a Monroe St. Brown. Therefore I don't care much. Mr. Pat.
2: Yeah. He was a kind of an interesting prospect in that, you know, he was a four year player who wasn't productive, so that's not good. But, uh, and he also bombed the 40, so you don't love that, but he was pretty efficient and, you know, it kind of made him, A little interesting to me. He hasn't been bad since he's been in the league. But you look at the Lions and it's like the Lions know one of the things they have to do this offseason is get some receivers. I mean, Tyrell Williams and Rashad Perriman they brought in as their outside wide receivers (laughs) last year. was, I mean, absolutely ridiculous offseason for them. They now have Amaran St. Brown. He's going to be a feature in the slot, but they've got to get some outside help. So... Now you're worried about Quintus Cephas's routes, and not just his routes, but like, is he going to be the third, fourth option on the Lions? No thanks. I do think from like a 28-round best ball perspective, like, you know, deep dynasty, kind of end of the bench type of guy, maybe. But I would actually be more interested in from the the best ball perspective where I don't expect Cephas to really become much. But maybe if, you know, Aminorah goes down, they kind of botch the offseason again. Uh I think he is a you know a capable enough wide receiver to where with a total lack of target competition he can he can get like six targets. So, you know, not like the worst
1: extremely late round dart throw.
0: No, no, no. No, I think it
1: gets worse. (laughs) (laughs) Sid Brown's kind (laughs) of on his corner. Um, they're like a a big inside guy. Um I I quite like see uh Cephas as a prospect. I like that Okuda. Uh, thought that he was the best player they'd come up against he's clearly like very tenacious player but i agree you know he's on the browns they're not going to be like he needs to be inside he needs the to be browns? where uh, on the browns the saint browns that's how much the new, the that's new how browns. highly i think of him yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know i'm all about these i think he, uh, i think he's finally outside he,
2: he has no speed he has absolutely yeah. no speed but he can be like <laughs> a possession outside wide receiver i
1: think I don't think it's going to happen for him. I like him. I don't think he's going to be fantasy relevant, though.
0: No, no. I think he's going to be one of those guys that those deep sleeper, quote-unquote, experts will write about and say, "Yeah, why you have to pick up this player because he's going to be your league winner in a the year. Because one time <laughs> in the, the season, he had five catches for 50 yards <laughs> and in a full-point PPR. That was 10 fantasy points. Wow. And then, Dude, you know, I'm he's going to have that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where do you think it's know, coming from? I know think? that everyone gets
2: written about, but I don't think we're going to see Quintus Cephas league, league winner articles this year. I hope yeah. not. Please don't
0: do it to us, you know. You know, somebody gets injured, it becomes a bye week, <laughs> and then you're going to see articles why you should pick up Quentin Cephas, or yeah, Quentin Cephas is going to be your waiver wire pickup of the week type of stuff. Yeah, yeah. just don't do it. If, if somebody writes about Quinton Cephas, unironically, you should just unfollow them on whatever platform. They are on. That's just it. It's, you know, sometimes you got to be realistic with yourself. And people that says Terrence Marshall is going to be a breakout candidate, unfollow them. It doesn't matter. He's not. It, it, d- it doesn't work that way. Same with Quentin Cephas. I, th- I'm I over think it. Um,
1: Quentin Cephas and Terrence Marshall should be talking about. Yeah. List in the, uh, I agree. Po- if anyone writes about Quentin Cephas and Terrence
2: name. Marshall, <laughs> yeah, <he's, laughs> you
1: got to Are we going to talk about? quintus Cephas again this off season i'll say i'll say i really hope not the over under at point no. 0.5 that he comes up on any other podcast we do
0: uh over because i will un- i will unironically <laughs> mention his name as like a standard of like oh he's trash he's Quintus Cephas, or you know he he is sorry pat you're not going to understand this reference he is on the he who must not be named level <laughs> I left him off this list because I didn't want you to talk about him. This yeah, day. I didn't it's want to talk L- about it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Don't say his.
2: <laughs> I, I will say from a, in terms of like the waiver wire and stuff though, I mean, please keep in mind how gross it gets, you know, like I think he's better off. You're better off with him than Josh Reynolds. You're better off with him than Khalif Raymond. I mean, you know, some of these guys that we were like thinking about starting in showdown type of situation, Thanksgiving slates. But I actually do think that, like, you know, as a week 14 waiver wire edition, don't unfollow anyone who writes about them. That, that'll that be totally fine.
0: No, 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 no. You know, this reminds me of a mini story. Uh, when we, when, during the, during the, the, of course, the fantasy year, uh, we do the live mail sack show, and a caller once called in and asked, uh, if they should start a tight end in their flex spot because they, you know, they had a bad injury week because one of those bad bye weeks. And I told him, I would rather leave my flex spot empty than put a tight end in there. And it's not like a tight end premium league. So it's just one of those things where I look back to and I think about would I rather leave my roster spot empty than start somebody like Quentin Cephas? And that is a yes. I would much <laughs> rather start something. I would much rather leave it empty.
1: I started Quintus <laughs> Cephas. I didn't start Quintus Cephas. He's on a few of my dynasty rosters. I started Khalif Raymond in a few leagues last year. Yeah. And I started tight ends in my flex. So, um,
2: yeah, I start tight ends in my flex all the time. No, we're, we're trying no, to win that's, here. We're trying that's,
0: to win. That's, no, that's a, no. Uh-uh. I would never let that ha- I would never get it. Th- it could be like Mark Andrews. By, in weeks, my flex. Get, by weeks get tough, man. Yeah. No, it could it could be like Mark Andrews in my I would still not do it. I could have like I could have like <laughs> Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews. I, I would right. no I not any anyone it. drafting
2: against you knows as soon as you take a tight end, you're not taking a second one then. <laughs> the,
0: yes, yes. But I'm also <laughs> on the boat <laughs> but I'm also on the boat of don't draft tight ends early. So well, everybody fair knows fair I would not have any of them on their my roster. But anyway, enough enough <laughs> storytelling. Mar- Mar- uh, so Euro DPJ, I'm assuming it's Donovan Peoples Jones. Nailed it. Thank you, thank you. Uh, yeah, he's irrelevant. I don't care. He's almost on the level of Quentin Cephas. Well, um, I think that's if a you want to talk about who take. people are gonna. It,
2: it, this is the guy that people are gonna be writing about as a sleeper.
0: Oh God. Okay, I give yeah, them 100%. a little bit more credit than Quintus Cephas, but I'm still like not on that train. Gotcha. Oh. <laughs>
1: The Browns need someone. No, they They've don't. not got Odell Beckham Jr. They've not got Jarvis Landry, and DPJ is on the roster. They're not going to pay whatever Rashad Higgins is due. Um, I quite like DPJ. I liked him coming into the league. I think he has an interesting profile uh, of the sort of player that profiles to be fan- uh, productive for fantasy reasons. Uh, 35 catches, five hundred ninety-seven yards, three touchdowns this year um easily could have done more i think with slightly better quarterback play uh and he's a guy who needs to you know work on himself a little bit as well um still a few too many easy drops but this is you know he's a high ceiling guy uh, and that's kind of what we want in these late fantasy rounds he's had a couple of games over 85 yards he had four for uh, 101 and two against arizona that's exciting
0: He can do it in one uh, play. He he can Mm -hmm. do it in one play. That I will give it. And he reminds me of the Michael Pittman Jr. type. As long as there's nobody better than him, he'll be all right. But as soon as they get somebody better than him, then uh, he just most likely will fall back to irrelevancy.
2: But Um, not only are they not going to get someone better than than him, they're about to lose the guy better than him, potentially, in Jarvis Landry. So it's kind of a last-man-standing situation where – you're going to see a bunch of targets to Austin Hooper, I guess. And they got, what, Harrison Bryant? so the tight end. The was a free agent, I believe. Uh, you got Anthony Swartz, who really showed nothing. I mean, they're basically using him on jet sweeps just to get on the ball. Donovan yep. Peoples-Jones, he was a boom-bust prospect, but athleticism was the reason to bet on him. And he has stuck around and now is about to, you know, potentially get a lot more targets. You got to keep the price inexpensive with a guy like Donovan Peoples-Jones because he, to me, he doesn't profile as the guy who's going to become like a true number one wide receiver or even a really, really good number two wide receiver. But he definitely looks like the type of guy who could be just fine if they have no other option but to feed him. Kind of like maybe a poor man's Terry McLaurin type. Uh, And that's the situation that is developing here. Now, maybe they get a, a, a true number one wide receiver in the draft, but that might be okay for him because he's a deep threat. You know, if they get someone that actually helps the offense move and and by that token, I think if they keep Landry, it'll be just fine for Donovan people's Jones. There's just really no threat to him running a full slate of routes this year. And kind of like Gabriel Davis, where with these late round picks, it's like year one, they just have to force their way onto the field and show that they're going to be a part of the offense year two. It's more about establishing themselves. And then year three, you know, I think you can see kind of an old school year three breakout with these fourth, fifth round picks like Davis and Donama um, Peoples-Jones. So I'm not like overly excited about him, but I think he's a great late round pick. Yep.
0: The, there's no way they don't get somebody. There's no way they don't get somebody. They need some. The Baker needs help. They the Browns need to make it so there's no excuse for Baker to fail so they can move on from him. If if he if they don't add anybody and they don't do good, then there's always gonna be that argument that the Browns never did anything to help Baker Mayfield. They will add somebody. I I what's the path no
2: though? I mean, there's there's a decent decent rookie wide receiver class. Please don't do it. Don't I don't want to see any of these guys on the Browns, but they they could definitely add a rookie wide receiver, but there's really no free agents. I mean, like Alan Robinson, like uh, there's really that's not really going to cut it. I don't think.
1: yeah. Well, they're going to add Mike Williams. They already have Donovan Peoples Jones. Um, right. The best result I think for DPJ is that he gets a few more high value targets that maybe moves into the slot. Maybe he's not just a, a deep threat. Mm-hmm. They start using uh, Anthony Schwartz more, as you say. They kind of just use him on screens and sweeps. And wondering, well, you know exactly why you picked him because he's incredibly fast at. I said this last year. He's the guy from the Mighty Ducks who can skate fast and, and not stop. He's exactly that person. Um, so maybe they want to use him downfield a bit more. Yeah, he's a late-round dart throw. He's going to be on a, lot of, on a lot of my teams, I think. Is the breakout going to come? Who's to say? But the pieces are kind of there.
0: Hmm. Now, Pat, you mentioned... He is kind of like a poor man's Terry McLaurin. But the way Terry McLaurin played last year, he might be a poor man's Donald from People's Jones, who is actually an (laughs) inch. No, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) But he is actually a person on not on this list who really probably should be on the list that we have. I mean, Terry McLaurin had a phenomenal rookie season and a very disappointing sophomore slump. Are you still interested in him? What's his ADP? You have to imagine it's probably around the fourth round. Is that even worth it?
2: Yeah, I think that is where I think he's going late third, um, early fourth. Um,
0: Yeah, I think it's one of those
2: situations where you just have to bet on the quarterback upgrade. And again, a situation where I don't think they can do much worse than Taylor Heineke. I mean, we were kind of excited about Ryan Fitzpatrick there. He goes down less than one game we get out of them. And, you know, it's Taylor Heineke the rest of the way. They were doing stuff. They were th- doing a lot of RPO. They were doing a lot of play action. They were doing a decent amount of passes on first and 10. Basically all the stuff that, you know, I tend to look to to be like, can you please do this because it, it generally leads to productive <laughs> offense. And Washington was doing it, but they were doing it with Taylor Heineke. And, you know, he he wasn't the most inaccurate quarterback, but it just – he was not efficient – a very very limited quarterback you know a truly a backup level quarterback he just shouldn't have been starting an entire NFL season and that puts Terry McLaurin in a position where they have to do very little to get a sizable upgrade of the quarterback position I think Jimmy Garoppolo would be a big advantage they're one of the teams that you know are, are kind of making noise about potentially trading for Watson and I do think Watson will be traded to some team this offseason so you know I mean they got Sean Watson, then, you know, Terry McLaurin would be a smash. Uh, but even if they get kind of, kind of anybody uh, that's better than uh, Taylor Heineke, which is basically anybody, I think Terry McLaurin will be worth his ADP. So I'm not hammering him in the, in the late third, but um, pretty easy to see a scenario where he ends up in like the, the late second, early third, if they get, you know, that Watson trade. And then, um, you know, I think he probably doesn't fall all that much from here because uh, you know, kind of already at the bottom of the barrel in terms of the quarterback situation.
0: You know, as much as I like Terry McLaurin and the amount of dynasty leagues where I own him, a little bit of me wants them to not upgrade quarterbacks because I just hate the Washington Commanders. Sorry, that's the, the name now. I just hate the franchise in general so much. Like, I never wish them any success. Um, so that being said, uh, I can't, yeah, that's just like my personal vendetta against the team that I don't want them to have any success or a good quarterback. But, um, uh, that's my hot take and my rant for the day. She, do you have any, uh, closing thoughts?
1: I feel like McLaurin for me is going to be one of these guys like Alan Robinson, who for whatever reason, just never finds his way onto my roster. Like he's always too expensive or there's a reason mm-hmm. why I like the guys around him more. Um, I think he can't be quarterback agnostic because you would have liked to see him do more this year. Um, but they have to add someone. As you say, there's going to be a better quarterback. There's going to be someone opposite him who does better. Um, maybe it's going to be more Logan Thomas. Maybe they're going to give the ball to Antonio Gibson. Who knows? So I, I'm not all out on Terry. I'm just He's never going to find his way onto my teams as far as I'm concerned unless the arse really falls out of the market. He did have hmm. last year 1.81 yards per out run, which is pretty decent. It's not
2: bad. And, you know, again, I think the situation was really bad. One thing that you saw with Washington towards the end of the year is that, well, really kind of from the middle of the year on, is that they went to a run-heavy team. And they, you know, they realized, like, when they beat Tampa Bay, it's like, we just have to take the air out of the ball. That's our only path to victory. And they weren't, like, a truly terrible team. So they, you know, they were trying to figure out any way they could to win games. And they realized it wasn't through the arm of Taylor Heineke. So, Um, I think that you could see additional passing volume if you get that kind of middle quarterback upgrade. Obviously, if you get the huge quarterback upgrade, you'll see a passing volume increase. But even if you get a small quarterback upgrade, I think you could see some passing volume added to the offense because when they first went to Heineke, clearly the way the offense was designed to start the season was built around the pass. So I think that's kind of another small um, uh, potential upside for this team if if the quarterback play is at least competent.
0: All right. So, I mean, that's interesting. It's something we're going to have to be wavering and waiting for until we see free agency, of course, and then the draft. And then after that, I think we have a much clearer picture of what the ADP is for somebody such as legendary Terry McLaurin. You know his name. I've said it a couple of times, but he his name reminds me of a Starbucks drink. Uh that's my uh that's my Side note for the day, another one for you guys. So let's try to mar- uh, march through. Yeah, yeah, I know. It doesn't it mean anything. Does it, does it have any relevancy? No, but I feel like I needed to say it. So let's try to march through these guys here because I think we're passing the hour mark. And uh, of course, I don't want to keep Mr. Pat's time occupied. And of course, you viewers, I don't want you guys getting saturated with a bunch of information. So we'll try to march on through. So Marquise Calloway, I'll give you guys the floor. And uh, I won't really put too much input on this. Deontay Harris. Yep. Good. Yep. I prefer,
1: I mean, I, I quite like Callaway. I think maybe we've seen his ceiling in terms of six touchdowns. Um, and I tell you what, if you like that, it's exciting postseason football. Let me introduce to week three of the preseason. Um, Marcus Callaway time to shine. Um, okay. Yeah. Look, Call- Callaway of is what he is. Looks like Thomas is coming back. I would always, I would rather Harris. I feel like I've been carrying that water for a little while now, so I'm not getting off the the train as it looks like it's gonna start Who, to to show up.
0: Who's that guy on the Steelers? The wide receiver that always has the massive breakout in preseason. You think, oh, it's finally his time to shine. Then he goes ahead and does nothing for the whole season, and then rinse and repeat next preseason. Um, Washington. Claypool, oh, James, on, James Claypool.
1: Washington. That's
0: James cool. Washington is his name. Yeah, I think it's him. He's <laughs> on the Steelers, in the and there. he has a phenomenal, phenomenal preseason. But you know, that's uh, you kind of already know it's going to be that way. All right, Hollywood Brown.
1: Breakouts She's already thorough. happened, as far as I'm concerned. But yeah, he left. A, he left a lot of fantasy points out there this year. He lost, left a lot of real life points out there this year.
0: <sighs> a lot um, of
1: drops. He kind of is what he is. He's a, a deep threat. Um, Mandrews is taking some of those high value targets. Your man, mm-hmm. Rashad Bateman is going to see We're more talk about targets him. this year. Uh High boom bust. I don't want to overpay for him at that value, but if he's say like in the seventh, eighth round, yeah, I'll take a look. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd rather bet on Rashad Bateman at
0: cost. Oh my
2: um, God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Bateman, Bateman was just a tremendous prospect, and he wasn't all that good as a rookie, but he was kind of in the range where I'm doubling down on strong prospects. I mean, uh, DeAndre Hopkins had a similar yards per hour run as a rookie. You can get big explosive year two breakouts even with what we saw from Rashad Bateman as long as the guy's actually good, and I, I think Bateman's good. Uh, you, you have issues with you know offensive volume, et cetera, so Bateman's not a sure thing, but he's cheaper than Marquise Brown. And with Marquise Brown, are you actually getting the guy who's the engine of the offense? No, that's Mark Andrews. And so if I'm not taking Andrews, I'd rather get the cheaper of the two wide receivers. And right now that's Bateman.
0: So we have this philosophy, me and she, and we coined it, we invented it. We basically started it where it's, you know, when you have a wide receiving course, such as last year, we were comparing it from the Niners to the Steelers and all that, where, you know, you, you know, when you have three similar comparable talents, you go with the cheapest option. And last year, it was Debo Samuel. It was mm-hmm. uh, Deontay Johnson and all that. Co- um, Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup, yeah. I, that one was you. That one was all you. I give you full credit for Cooper Cup because I like Robert Woods a little bit more. Uh, but in this case, this is going to be one of those few times where I disagree, where you don't go with the cheapest option because it's just Rashad Bateman. And I don't like Rashad Bateman at all. Uh, I mean, I've said this plenty of times where I don't like him. And What, what about Bateman? This, or are you he, he doesn't fit not? the system. He does not fit the system. He is the exact opposite of what they need. They already have a possession receiver because they have Mark Andrews. They already have a deep threat because they have Hollywood Brown. They have a solid running game. They don't have a quarterback that can throw the ball properly. If, if he was on, if, if Lamar Jackson was any other team, he would be labeled as a bust. He's just in a system that fits his skill set so well that he plays pretty decently at a semi playoff level. And there just isn't enough ball to go around for Rashad Bateman. And we saw it last year. I mean, his his realistic stat line is four catches, fifty yards, and maybe a touchdown. The only time they were he was or he he was fantasy relevant was when they got blown out against the Dolphins and then I believe it was a couple garbage time throws uh late in the season with uh Huntley. So I mean if that's the the scenario the game script that he needs to have in order to be fantasy relevant then he's just not going to be fantasy relevant because that team's expected to win more games and lose especially that division's getting a lot weaker now
2: i do agree i mean i think the the ravens winning games and being a positive game script is an issue you're gonna have dobbins back you're gonna have gus edwards back they're gonna be more run heavy than they were last year and yeah it did for whatever reason seem to have more of a connection bateman with with huntley than jackson but i do think that you know Getting kind of a free look at a second year breakout from a very, very strong prospect like Bateman. Basically, you know, this guy is what he is uh, after year one. Give me that all day. I, I think that uh, to Shane's point, Marcus Brown kind of is what he is. You know, he was a limited player coming in. He's a, a pretty good player. What he does is, but you know, he, he will uh, leave some points out there. Uh, Bateman did not show what I thought he would as a rookie, but. I think the ceiling is still very, very high on him as a player. And to me, like, very, very good wide receivers kind of make the offense. You know, if Bateman is – like, let's say Justin Jefferson was on this team. Would we be saying Justin Jefferson doesn't fit the offense? You know, obviously, Bateman's never going to be Justin Jefferson. But it's kind of like if you have the wide receiver take the step forward, the offense is going to shift to reflect that.
0: I, will, I, I always have – you have the philosophy that player talent kind of trumps – uh scheme uh is what it seems like i don't want to like put words in your mouth to an extent yeah an I'm, extent. I'm the complete opposite like i mean you're in the nfl you're already a talented player it's all about the scheme at this point can you fit in the scheme and i just don't think we Bateman does i think justin jefferson perfectly fits washington's uh, not washington the uh the minnesota vikings scheme that's why he is able to flourish like how he did if he was on the browns or um you know, the Ravens, if he was on maybe an I average think if we, team. I think if
2: Justin Jefferson was on the Browns, we would think that Baker Mayfield was a pro bowler. I think that's how impactful yeah. a guy like Justin Jefferson is. Hmm.
0: Hmm. That's interesting. I would All take
1: right. Bateman on 31 other teams. I uh, He was my wide receiver too in the class last year. Lo- love what he's about, love his hands, but, uh, yeah, I'm with Nata. Like, a, a, at a point, you get to the point where it's – there has to be a fit, otherwise – I feel like the fantasy community is littered with people who are so dogmatic in the views of their guys in college, or uh, you know they know better than the coach. And uh, yes, uh, I guess we had the other week. Um, Al was saying at a certain point you got to bend your knee to the NFL, and I think this is a case where Bateman isn't going to be the guy that we want him to be. I do think there's a world where he replaces Hollywood Brown, um, but they like that deep threat element that he brings. Um, so he's always going to be of a, a higher value even if Bateman is notionally the wide receiver one
0: mm-hmm. you do have with yeah. the
1: Ravens the the advantage
2: to him being kind of the third option to start the year which i you know I think we would all agree he would be in this situation because the number one option is the tight end there's not going to be a lack of routes for Bateman right there and there what weirdly enough there was a lack of routes for Bateman uh, at times not every week, but kind of like post his breakout, we thought, okay, here we go with Bateman. And then he'd have like a 60% route share. It was really weird. I don't think that's going to be the case this year. I think he'll be out there for close to a hundred, like 90 plus percent of routes. He'll be out there. And they can do that because, you know, in two wide receiver sets, it'll be Brown, Bateman and Andrews. So that I think is at least a little bit of an advantage where it's not so much about the coach. He's still able to earn targets. And I think that's that's why I said that about Justin Jefferson. You know, I, I think Jamar Chase had a huge impact on the Bengals, etc. Like wide receivers earn targets, they get open. And if Bateman's able to take that step forward in this situation, even though it's not an ideal situation in many ways, he will be out there and he will have a chance to earn those targets.
0: Mm-hmm. One of the biggest uh, complaints about somebody like Jimmy Garoppolo is is he does not throw outside the numbers and all his throws are, um, you know, of course, in the middle of the field, and the only time that what's his name? Sorry, it's eluding me now. Uh, Lamar Jackson James throws outside himself. the numbers is usually when he's rolling out. Um, obviously it's a good sign to be able to roll out and of course, stretch the field exactly how play action and rolling out supposed to do that. But if you're playing outside the numbers as a wide receiver and it takes that much effort and scheming into putting it in a way where you are able to be throw the ball, then I feel like that's also a little bit of a red flag. Um, I mean, of course I might be wrong. You know, if Lamar Jackson takes a little bit more of a step, which he has, he has progressed, and improved himself throughout his career, which so it, it makes it so I'm not a hundred percent away or against Rashad Bateman or Lamar Jackson or that offense. You know, I'd be fine to admit that I'm wrong. Uh, I, I just rather well, see, even
2: just was he just wasn't as good as I thought he would be as a rookie. I, I honestly thought he'd be better. So that's the thing. It's like, maybe, maybe I'm just wrong about how good Bateman is. But one of the things I liked about him was that he played out of the slot as as a junior. In his final season, he played out of the slot. And uh, prior to that, Tyler Johnson was playing that role. Bateman was on the outside. I think that, you know, you could see Bateman out of the slot in three wide receiver sets. You know, you could see an offense that's built around Bateman as the number one wide receiver, I think, would have him moving inside and out. That was part of the appeal of his prospect profile. So, um, again, I agree that Baltimore is not an ideal passing game situation. I agree that Lamar Jackson has his faults. and And I agree that Mark Andrews is the number one option here in this passing game, but uh, I still, I still do see upside for Rashad Bateman.
0: There we go. That one I can agree with. I think his touchdown upside could be the significant play for him. Uh, Especially once you start getting to bye weeks and injury plays, I think Rashad Bateman will have a realistic stat line of about five catches. Like I said, 50 yards and then a touchdown. And if he does that, that's a phenomenal fantasy day. If not, then, you know, you have five catches, 50 yards. If you're playing half point PPR, that's almost eight points. Full point PPR, you know, you're scratching over the 10 mark, which isn't that bad from a fantasy perspective. It's, it's really not that bad. Um, in that case, I'd probably have somebody like Elijah Moore. Um, but um, that that's a debate for a different time. All right, so that's, an, uh, that's enough on the Browns. We have Alexander Madison. He is last on the list. And then, we'll, of course, we will say our goodbyes. Um, personally, I think he's the best handcuff you could have. Um, other than that, I think that's kind of where he's labeled.
1: Yeah, the question yeah, for me is can he do it somewhere else? Hmm. Is he a free? Agent? Like, is he, he? He's not this year. Oh, I think um, this is last year but though. for me, if yes, I. Is this like a Burner Turner situation where he is going to go somewhere and be more value? Because, you know, if I was the Bills and wanting to upgrade my running game, he might be a name that I'd hmm. try and throw a draft pick at to, to get on my roster. Um, so I guess the question is, does he have standalone value beyond this season?
2: It's so situation based because I uh, I think he certainly could. You know, um, I think he's probably as good as Josh Jacobs. He's better than Clyde Edwards-Helaire, in my opinion. You know, he, he's a solid running back. Not difficult. Yeah, I know it's not that difficult, but you know, <laughs> that's a that's a that's a lead running back still, unless McKinnon's uh, re-signed and takes that role fully, but. uh Yeah, I mean, like, I I do think he's pretty similar to Josh Jacobs, a pretty similar skill set. He's elusive, doesn't have that much breakaway speed. He's a competent receiver, not a great receiver. The type of guy that, if you want to just plug him in, he's probably better than Devin Singletary. um, You know, but it's so much about like, do the coaches trust you? Do they trust you to know the pass protection? You know, are you going to get someone blown up? Are you going to screw something up? Um, And so, if he changes teams, that's obviously not ideal. I think the ideal situation maybe would be um, if Cook were to leave or um, but I, I don't know. I think basically he's, he's probably just a handcuff that, uh, has a lot of value. I, I was drafting a ton of them last year. I think he was my highest, uh, roster running back in best ball. Uh, just cause I, I thought he was just way too cheap in the 13th or 14th round. Um, and I do, I do think he's a very, very strong handcuff. He's a pretty talented back. He's not nearly as good as Dalvin cook, in my opinion, but, um, when he gets, when he gets a chance, he's like a solid, he's like kind of, plugging in like a fifth or a sixth round pick type of running back.
0: I think that's giving him a lot of too little credit. Usually when Dalvin cooks out, I think Alexander Madison gets must start category.
2: Yeah, that's true. That's true. From a, from a, yeah, you're right. I, I it's probably uh, underselling him, although it might be a little different with uh, Mike Zimmer in a town uh, this year. So, but you're right. Uh, That's underselling him um, just because they they were just feeding him last year.
0: Yeah. So, he, he, he's in the Tony Pollard level of handcuff this year. I think next year, looking at teams where he might go to, I think that's where it really starts getting interested for uh, Alexander Madison. I think you mentioned the Bills. That would be nice. Um, I doubt he goes to some a team like the Niners, even though that would be interesting. I could see him going to the Rams if they don't. Fix the running back situation. I could see the Rams trading for somebody like Alexander Madison. If they don't fix the running back situation. Or if they don't think. um, Cam Akers will be healthy. And consistent throughout the career. Yeah, that'd be a good one. Um, I can't think of too many.
2: You know, one that doesn't sound good at all, but that might actually be good in 2023. You say jets. The jets. Okay. 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 Michael Carter fails this year as a starter. Zach Wilson looks somewhat competent, uh, at least approaching competence, and uh, they make some improvements to the offensive line. It's a uh, similar scheme, you know, it's the Shanahan scheme over there. He's coming from the Kubiak tree, uh, which is where we've seen him have the most success. So, you know, it, it would be a it would be a scheme fit, and maybe it's an offense that's like on the rise enough. To just kind of feed a running back.
0: Mm-hmm. That one I can get behind. I like that one a lot. That would be a lot of fun. Let's see. He is 23 years old. Okay. So he's got a lot of juice still left in him. All right. So, you know, I thought, you know, maybe by the time he gets the starting caliber or the starting opportunity, he might be a little bit old. But no, if that's the case, he's going to be 24, 25 at that point. Dalvin Cook is surprisingly only 26, now that I see it. He's the same age as Najee Harris. Najee Harris is 23. All righty. Okay. So that's interesting and that's a note. that's a point and note to take but that's going to be enough for this list we can go on for a lot of players a lot of different topics and a lot of different situations and scenarios and we could be opening the conversation for any of these players and keep adding points and points and points until we all turn blue which i personally wouldn't mind um, it's interesting and entertaining to to, to trash talk a player because i think it's entertaining entertainingly fun but we're gonna have to wrap up this episode so of course pat i appreciate you coming on potentially some short notice having to deal with me having to deal with she and not having an internet connection for a part of the episode so why don't you <laughs> let everybody know where they could find you and what you're all about
2: yeah well you guys give me plenty of notice credit to you guys I, I don't want i don't want the listeners to think it was notice. uh <laughs> but <laughs> but uh yeah, you can find me at NBC Sports Edge. I've got articles coming out on uh, the wide receiver, um, wide receiver rookie class. I'm working on articles on uh, on them right now, and I'm also doing a podcast uh, on Thursdays, diving into the offseason and the rookie class. And uh, this Thursday, post combine, we're going to be uh, discussing the. Uh, I'm going to be discussing with Eric Froton from our college football team uh, the the combine results from Thursday and getting into some of the prospects in depth. Check out uh, last week as well. I had Travis may on from Rotoviz and we talked all about the rookie class. we got, we literally did an overview of the entire rookie class. So that's on uh, a good football show. You can find that wherever you get your podcasts and then ship chasing, obviously Wednesday nights, nine 15. We just, uh, we do some drafts, drink some drinks and uh, we, we should talk running backs.
0: There we go. That's always fun. Now, to be fair, Sheen is the one that gave you the long notice. He does all the the, the logistics behind the scenes stuff. So you have to give Sheen credit. I just come here and I okay. sit here, look pretty, and I shit-talk <laughs> a couple of players. That's all I do. That's my job. Uh, <laughs> Sheen, he let everybody know where they could find you real fast. I'm sure everybody already knows.
1: Well, I was going to say, before we do, we missed wise words of wisdom. Pat, oh, we yeah, yeah, all yeah, yeah. this. Um, what is the one piece of advice you would have to make our listeners better fantasy football players?
2: Well, so like for this time of year in particular, uh, or at least, you know, this is kind of this is kind of topical to this time of year. I do think, you know, drafts draft rookies right now. Um, you know, if you're doing dynasty startups, uh, I I was listening to uh, actually Travis May's podcast, uh, College of Canton, and they they're Debbie guys. And they're kind of very dismissive of the idea of drafting, uh, doing dynasty drafts before the draft. I love it. I love it because I, I don't have the time to, to actually dive into Debbie. But I think it's kind of fun to, you know, if you've got the research. You can can do your dynasty draft before the NFL draft and really take advantage of that research. But if you don't want to do that, if that's like kind of a little too hardcore, you still have these rookies in the best ball drafts right now. And I think you're getting some great prices on these rookies. You know, there's a few rookies in particular who stand out. I think David Bell is a great value right now. I think Sky Moore is a really strong value. I think George Pickens is a really strong value. You've got some strong upside bets at the running back position where you're seeing Brees Hall. I think at a pretty decent ADP, I think he's a pretty low risk bet with some upside. But you're also seeing Kyron Williams or shot White. I think uh, Walker and Spiller are also pretty decent bets at their ADP. So I would say, you know, you don't want to load up. You don't want to go crazy. But to get a couple of these rookies in any best ball draft, pre-NFL draft, it feels risky. You're, you're taking on some uncertainty, but you're also getting a lot of upside. And compared to where a lot of these guys are going to go post-draft, and particularly July, August, once the hype machine really gets going, you're just not going to see them at anywhere near their price. And I would include even a guy like Garrett Wilson, who everyone knows is going to be a high draft pick. He's going at a significant discount to Traylon Burks. That doesn't make any sense. Garrett Wilson will probably be drafted first. And you know he right now is also um, a really strong value. So that would be uh you know something just to mix into any best ball draft you're doing. Any of these uh rookies that have a decent chance of going high in the draft, have good profiles, mix them in.
0: Now there are I've always said it, you are a sociopath if you draft rookies before the draft, especially before the combine. Holy that's that's like a new level of sociopath. That's like almost but this is why. I mean,
2: no one wants to do it, no one wants to do yeah. it. Anything that no one wants to do that, you know over a large sample is going to yield profit is something I want to do.
0: God, that's that's like I said, you're on like a new level of sociopath. That's almost like serial killer level. And people that do redraft redraft drafts before preseason, that's also another level of sociopath. Because I mean, like like you having the confidence to draft the team, knowing none of them are going to get injured in preseason. That's that's oh, that's another level. I mean, of course, it's like playing Russian roulette. And of course, when you do draft before that, and somebody does get his best running back or first round running back injured for the rest of the year. Um, he definitely gets roasted hard in the group chat, but that is going to have to wrap up this episode. But of course, hopefully you guys enjoyed. If you would like to subscribe and review the favorite podcast platform that we currently on and give us a nice five-star rating. But other than that, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Sleeper Wire Show to stay updated with all news articles and podcasts. But other than that, hey, Good luck, everybody. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready for today.